Hey, it's Adam Carolla. We love having great guests on my show, like Jay Leno. The medic runs over and says to the driver, what's your name? How old are you? He goes, I'm Bob Riggle, 81 years old. And he taps me, he goes, what's your name? How old are you? And I said, I'm Bob Riggle, and I'm 81 years old. <laughs> Howie Mandel. If there's anything you could put off is a haircut. And don't take that from a bald guy, but nobody needs a haircut. And Jimmy Kimmel. We get the phone book, and we start calling people in Atlanta. And we reach this old man named Charlie Brown. We were looking up names like Charlie Brown. <laughs> so check out the Adam Carolla Show on Podcast One. It is uh, the start of July, and for that, we've got some new music. Can you, um, can you tell me, I don't know if you've watched the show or not, because we haven't talked, maybe we haven't talked about this. Do you know what uh, show that music reminds you of, or reminds me of? Oh, man. Ozark? No, no. Old school. Like, um, when I was in college, this was the show that every... The Sopranos? No. That's closer, though. Entourage. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I never. You an Entourage I never, guy? I never got into either either one of those. I mean, I was more of a traditional cable slash sports guy. I so I mean so was I. Entourage was the one show that I watched every episode of when it was you know the day it came out, mm-hmm. and uh, I loved it. I think you would enjoy it. I really well, do. They're, yeah, they're they're short episodes too. That was the thing. They were like thirty minutes. It was the easiest thing in the world. You could fly through the whole whole seasons in a day. That's what made the office so popular, right? It was those right. like twenty two minute shows. So I, I don't get to I don't get to talk to you about my favorite entourage characters, but that's probably for the best because we've got some fun things to talk about. <laughs> we're gonna do uh, an NFC East preview. Um last podcast we talked all about camp, so we don't have to do that again. NFC East is gonna be really interesting. We're gonna talk about that. Uh, Quibi shows are going to be at the end of the episode. So you want to stick around. And I have been told you gave me a, a little teaser here that, uh, that we have breaking news we need to discuss. So we'll leave with that. Our, uh, friend of the program, actually, he was the guest last week. Uh, Matthew Collar, uh, sent me this DM. Um, I, it was a tweet by the behavior movement. Okay. Love I'm already seeing... excited. <laughs> Love seeing our exclusive player behavior analytics being cited by official team sites. So our Ravens mm-hmm. wrote Sneed, Willie Sneed, a sure-handed possession receiver and strong blocker in the run game. Caught True. By five touchdowns last season. True. Good. He was the 10th most valuable wide receiver in the league in 2019. Wait, wait, wait. To, wait what? According to <laughs> analytics used by Pro Football Network's Lucas Elinus. Dude, what? <laughs> Dude, I'm get out of here, man. Are look, you like, kidding me? Look, and we we generally shy away from like ripping on other people who are trying to do the things that we're doing because right. obviously, like most well, frankly, everybody like there's not anybody I interact with that I don't like in the space, really. Um but this is this like the Tense. face the face validity in this is just egregious. Like if you so here's Here's, I think, a good litmus test for this. 
if you had every player on the Ravens, Willie Sneed's not the tenth most valuable. Like, it, well, if you had every player on the Ravens go, hey, tell me your tenth most valuable receivers in the NFL. I would say you might get a few that would maybe put Hollywood Brown in there just to be like, you know, I love my team. Right. Not a single one is putting Willie Sneed in there. Um, did, have you looked up his his war rank yet? Because uh, I have it. Well, have so it Willie yet. Sneed last season was worth six one hundredths of a win in seven hundred fifty <laughs> snaps, um, which is actually down a little bit. You know, Sneed actually had some seasons where he had some meaty He's- wars, um, but but this last year. Um, not so much. Let me look at the ranking. Well, where was, was that rank? I have it for you right here. There, are, out of all receivers last year, he is behind the likes of Richie James Jr., Josh Gordon, Deshaun Jackson, Laquan Treadwell. Even he was one hundred and first. Like Deshaun Jackson in the one game against Washington on opening day accounted for more win shares than Willie Sneed did the entire season. So. I think that this is like a – and, again, I, like we don't want to like get into Yeah, I'm not trying to bag on the guy. It's like how do the, you think you arrive at this answer would be my well, question. Well, I think you arrive at the answer by a priori – and we, we know people in the space to do this – a priori assigning value to the Ravens running game. That's probably – like, mm-hmm. you know, when somebody will say, look, the run game is valuable in the NFL. I don't care what the, the hashtag numbers say. And so then they say, okay – the Ravens added this much value in the run game, um, irrespective of like whether or not the, you know, who did it, right? And then yeah. like you know having, and then there must have, there must be some sort of charting here on how good of a blocker he is, and then and then you know assigning him like an outsized amount of let's say long runs where he contributed a big block or something yeah. because you know even if you just look at his numbers, I mean he had what was it who, who put it in our chat here. He had 31 catches on 46 targets. So, and the five touchdowns are, are nice, right? The five touchdowns are nice. It's career high. Career high, yeah, as, as it said there. Um, but, uh, let me read you the, the list that we have, the R10 highest here. Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Tyler Lockett, Tyreek Hill, Terry McLaurin, Devontae Parker, Cortland Sutton, Mike Evans. Pretty good yeah. group from last year. They were pretty good. Yeah. Oh, well, and it says so. Something that's interesting here, as somebody in our our chat pointed out, um, the it, it's it's a it's due to plus or, uh, yak. You know, like mm-hmm. so. I think what this this metric tries to do is divorce things where there's more. So the really hard thing that they're trying to do is sort of untangle everything. Mm-hmm. But what that leaves you doing is not assigning credit for things that are done by multiple people, which is absurd, right? So that's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah, Willie Sneed. Well, the run game is the perfect example of that. Yeah. Yeah, Willie Sneed gets a catch, and he gets like a 30 yards after catch. Sure, he contributed to that. Now, I'm going to dispute the fact that he contributed all of it, because obviously pass accuracy and stuff contribute to yards after the catch. But the pass was the valuable thing, too. And just because there were more than one person responsible for the pass getting off and being complete doesn't mean that the value is zero on it. You know, like, I, I don't know that, that to me seems like what the, um, you know, a relatively absurd thing, but I, uh, I'm not, before we move on, not trying to be uh, rude. I just find that hilarious. Um, and, 
I like Willie Sneed too. I've had him. I've been a proud owner of of Willie Sneed on many a fantasy team, and have cheered for him many times. I don't think Willie Sneed believes he's the tenth most valuable player receiver in the NFL. So. He does not. He <laughs> certainly does not. This is like Drew Locke top five uh, quarterback material. Um, all right, let's go to uh, the NFC East. I'm pretty excited to talk about this, um, and I have a bunch of questions for you. But the first one that I wanted to start off with is. It's very clear that there are two good teams and there are two teams that are not so good. And I think both of them are kind of in competition with one another. How big is the gap? And I want to ask you this before looking at the results of our simulation. How big would you have said the gap is between Dallas and Philadelphia? I, on first blush, I thought it was closer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Yeah. I mean, I, I tweeted this out the other day. I think Doug Peterson's a good coach, especially at basic strategy, but he does leave a lot to be desired in terms of play calling, you know, and, but I always thought that he maybe had an advantage over uh, Mike McCarthy. I don't know if I think that's true anymore. Yeah, I don't. It was interesting because I was a, Huge, I still am a huge fan of what Philadelphia did in the draft. Obviously, Dallas did some nice things in the draft. Okay, great. You know, we probably tend to overvalue what rookies are going to do in their rookie year. And then you look at what they have other than that. And what Dallas had is a really explosive offense that got really unlucky last year. And what Philadelphia had was a not-so-explosive offense that managed to squeeze by that unlucky team last year. And if there's one of those things that I expect to continue going forward, it would be that Dallas's offense is really good this year. Philadelphia's offense, okay, they, they lost Brandon Brooks. They have questions at, at left tackle. They have questions at wide receiver, certainly. Um, I guess they have some questions at tight end. Um, they certainly have questions still on the defensive side of the ball in coverage. Like, there are a lot of questions in Philadelphia before you even get to Doug Peterson, and I think the questions that you bring up with Doug Peterson are really valid. Everyone gave him a ton of credit for going for fourth and shorts a couple years ago. And other than that, there are a lot of things that are a little bit flawed in the way that he calls uh, games, in particular, leveraging the run a ton on early down long yardage situations Mm -hmm. where it's not advantageous. So I can, I can start to get to where our simulation came out, which is actually the difference between these two teams is pretty big. Like, like, let me ask you this. If you were just ranking offenses based on potential, Kansas City's one, who's two? Uh, well, Baltimore, because they have the MVP okay. quarterback. But Dallas is in the top five. Are they three? Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, first, yeah, they're San Francisco. Um, really? So, you, you, so I would say New Orleans. Yeah. San Francisco to me, though. Tennessee is another one where, I mean, you literally are bringing back the guy who led the league in like all, almost every yeah. major passing category. You have A.J. Brown, who had less than 100 targets last year. You have Corey Davis is a top five pick. Um and an offensive line that's really good and, and you know, for what it's worth, Derrick Henry at running back. But to your point, Dallas is a top five offense in the NFL. And I don't think it's 
And Philadelphia is not, categorically not. Like I would say, so Dallas, you think about it. Okay, Dak Prescott, top 10 quarterback. Cooper, Gallup, Lamb. I mean, that's, that's top, easy top five potential in terms of wide receivers. Um, t- tight ends. I mean, you know, tight end is a position that you can scheme. Blake Jarwin's fine, whatever. Offensive line, top five as well. Dak Prescott has both of those things to work with uh, in terms of wide receiving core and offensive line. He could have a top five year too, and he was top five in terms of wins above replacement, top 10 in terms of grade. So you might have quarterback, receiver, and offensive line. And I noticed I didn't bring up the run game, but like, okay, they're fine there too. Um, and all of, those, uh, all of those are top five? Yep. Yeah, and last season they had defensive regression. But when you look at, you know, the, the Xavier Woods is a pretty good safety. I think he's still there. Uh, uh, Byron Jones is gone, but Shadobia Wuzier is still there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously they got Trayvon Diggs, who's a pretty good draft pick, a guy that we would have taken a lot higher than where he went. Um, the two linebackers, Van Der Esch and Smith, uh, you know, they, they could get better. You know, they're not going to go any worse than they were a season ago. And they have Demarcus Lawrence. And, you know, to their credit, like, you know, look at the pass rushers. Yeah, they got Alden Smith, right, a former 49er who changed the complexion of that defense under Vic Fangio, like five, yep. six, you know, seven, seven, eight years ago. And you know, he's coming back. I believe they still have Randy Gregory, who again is sort of a similar athletic, but a lot of personal baggage. And you know, but you can just you get after the passer there. I look at Philadelphia, and I'm I'm going through, and we do this every single time. It doesn't always come up on the show, but I looked at the most valuable players on the team a season ago. You had Wentz, which is a hair shy of two wins above replacement. Malcolm Jenkins was their second most valuable player. He's playing in New Orleans now. Brandon Brooks was their third most valuable player, a guard who got injured and is not playing this season. Uh, Rodney McLeod's a safety. And again, like the, those positions sort of like, you know, wax and wane. And you have Ertz and Kelsey. But again, Ertz like had a like a serious injury last year that like is not like a football injury. It's a lacerated spleen or whatever that ended up being. And so there's a ton of question marks here. They, I still don't think I like Rager as a draft pick and I like Wallace as a draft, like, and I, and I like uh, sorry, Hightower as a draft pick at wide receiver, but like they're going to get what a month to work with, with Carson yeah. Wentz. And, I, and, you know, and, and I think people, people don't look at the schedule as much. I mean, and I, I don't think we harped on it necessarily as much as we should have over the course of the last few weeks. Um, but, you know, it's not like they have an easy schedule outside of getting to face the Giants and the Washington Redskins a few times. Yeah. Okay. So let me let me read the um, Vegas win totals. Uh, sorry, the Vegas odds to win the division. Dallas, even money, plus 100. Philly, plus 125. The Giants, plus 1,100. And the Washington Redskins are plus 1,200, 12 to 1 to win the division. Um, the win totals. Dallas at 9.5. The over – is minus 155 yeah. huge wow philly is nine and a half as well the over is minus 110 the under is minus 120 by the way dallas is under plus 125 the giants at six and a half and the washington redskins at five and a half yep. our our simulation results have dallas as a 48 percent chance to win the division philadelphia at a 22% chance to win the division. And that is the massive distance between where the market has it and where we have it. Yeah. Plus 125 is what, like 46% implied odds? What is that? I'm trying to do this off the yeah, top yeah, of my head. It's, 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 yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of an edge on Dallas there if you can get the plus 
25, right? And well, Dallas is even money. So Dallas is no even money. There. So yeah. there's no edge there. I mean, the, 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 the edge is really Washington. on Washington and the Giants, who we have with a 17% and 13% yeah. chance to win it. And so my, my, you know, I have a couple of thoughts here with regard to Philadelphia. Um, the, the first one is that when I look at this division, if you take out Washington and, and New York for a second, which I don't want to do, but if you do, Jalen Rager, I think, is the most important player uh, in terms of he could be all over the spectrum. And whether he is really good right off the bat or really bad right off the bat could be go a long way to determining this division because that's where Philly was terrible. Like when Deshaun Jackson went out and couldn't run downfield, they had a tight end in Alshon Jeffrey basically at this point in his career as their most explosive wide receiver. Like that's not going to get it done. If Jalen Rager she, can get downfield. From... Yeah. And I loved Alshon Jeffrey. This is not like he's way in the, the twilight, like at the end of his career in terms of being an explosive guy downfield, that's not going to happen. If Jalen Rager can be that guy though, and he was one of, if not the most, um, I think it was he and Henry Ruggs, right? The highest athleticism scores that we gave any wide receivers. That could be massive for Philadelphia. Yeah. So I don't know, but that that to me, if that's your if that's the guy your hint, things are hinging on, then a twenty two percent chance makes a lot more sense than a forty six percent chance. Yeah, and um, you know one of the things that I think is creeping into this as well is you know Daniel Jones wasn't atrocious last year, he wasn't great, but he certainly wasn't as bad as I think a lot of people thought he was going to be. But Dwayne Haskins played really well last year at the end of the season, mm-hmm. and you know. I don't want to like get ahead of ourselves. You don't want to Sam Darnold this, right? Because Darnold had a similar stretch at the end of 2018. But you look at Washington and like they, I hate to give them too much credit, but at this time last year, you had the Alex Smith injury. You had, you had horrible cap situation, right? And now before our very eyes, you look at the, the cap situations in the NFL right now, and they have one of the best in just a season, Right. They sort of turned it around in terms of getting young players in the stable, right? They got Landon Collins in there as a veteran. They got um, a defensive front, you know, Chase Young, but you also have Montez Sweat. Yeah, you know, you have a, a bunch of players on the front seven who are young and good. And then on the offensive line, you know, they're shaky a little, you know, they're a little bit shaky. But at the receiving position, like, you know, like McLaurin was the most valuable rookie in the NFL last year. Um, obviously, you mix and match that with some. You know, uh, you, you, I mean, I, I still, there's, there's the cover. Terry McLaurin was the most valuable wide receiver in this division. division. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then you add to that, I know Jack Del Rio got a lot of flack last week, but like he's a, a plus defensive coordinator. You have Ron Rivera, who's a good head coach. Um, and, and I think most importantly, they're replacing guys who like, that's the same thing with, you know, Dallas with McCarthy. It's not only that, it's not only the question of McCarthy, it's McCarthy over replace over the coach he's replacing. And I think that there's a similar argument you can be made, you know, for made for Ron Rivera. Um, so I'm not saying they're great. And I, but I am saying that they are the win total to bet over here. I, I, you <laughs> this know, is my, that's my favorite bet in this entire division is over five and a half for the Redskins. And, and, and they were, and they, you know, they're two years removed from Alex Smith having them at six and three when he broke his leg, mm-hmm. you know, like, the, the, the weird stuff happens, man. And, but you know, I look at the Eagles here and you look at their schedule. They open against Washington on the road, right? Second straight year, they open with Washington. Washington had them down 17-0 on the road when, mm-hmm. you know, 
they have Rams at home. That still could be a, a tough out because we don't know. I mean, I'm down on the Rams, but they're still like a, a, a team. They have our Bengals uh, week three, but then it looks Niners on the road, Steelers on the road, Ravens at home. Then they get the Giants team. That's not, probably not very good two times in the next three weeks. They have Dallas sandwiched in between, and then they go Browns on the road. Browns are, you know, by then might have, might be, you know, feeling, you know, feeling their own oats. They're with, you know, having the easiest schedule in the NFL, probably a good record at that point. Seahawks at Packers <laughs> home to saints, and then finishing up with Dallas and their one of the last week. Like this is not an easy schedule for the Philadelphia Eagles that they mess around and, you know, and, and they, this has been a, like a longstanding, I think our, um, uh, Sun, uh, our friend Sunset Shaz on Twitter was t- pointing out like the Eagles are like statistically bad at preventing injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if they have another situation where they're starting AAF players at wide receiver, like it's going to go pear shaped for them pretty quickly. They, um, my second favorite bet um, in this division is Philly under nine and a half. Um, yeah. And and actually, this is so weird because I, like, I, I really like this Philadelphia Eagles team. But to me, there are so many things that are potentially damning for their season. So Carson, the Carson Wentz thing, like, you know, he just continually is is a player that every time he drops back, I feel like after two and a half seconds, you're worried, and. And that just, you know, like that's not something that I want to be like, oh, this team's going to win 10 games because you feel like he's going to miss a couple of games. Jalen Rager, even if he is ultimately good, is probably going to take him a little while. And as um, much as we like Jalen Hurts, like that's not a – Yeah, you're not going to throw him in there and go 10 and 6. Yeah. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Well, So I, I don't know. I, it's very interesting to me. I, if Philadelphia goes 9 and 7 this year, do you think we view them as having had a successful season? No. No, because no. I, I, I would say if you ask any Eagles fan, how, how have they viewed the last two seasons? I think most of them would say, OK, 2018 was fun and plucky with mm-hmm. with Nick Foles and they won a playoff game, blah, blah, blah. Right. But they went nine and seven. Last season was a disaster. I Last season, they know that Dallas shit the bed and that's why yeah. they ended up winning the division. Um, I don't think either one of I don't think any Philadelphia fan looks at the last two seasons and says, yeah, this is what I this is the ideal situation for our favorite team. Um, yeah, they decline there. You got to wonder. I mean, you know, I I like I, I just have a really hard time seeing how they acclimate all these people. Plus, some of their horses are getting older. Fletcher Cox is getting older. Brandon Graham's getting older. Um, they already got rid of Malcolm Jenkins. I know the Jatavis Brown signing was fairly good at linebacker. They've always sort of struggled there. Um, and uh, Nikel Roby Coleman's a good player and will help them. But it, it's not like they got, you know, I, we you have know, not, not that they got a, a whole lot better. I mean, uh, Tyler no. Wallace, the draft pick they got from Clemson's a, a decent prospect. But again, he's got a month to acclimate to the NFL. It's so I, I had two things that, that um, were interesting. The first is, I'll just point this out. So we have Philadelphia's win total at 7.5. Vegas has it at 9.5. That is a massive disparity. We have them going over 9.5 less than 20% of the time. Um, but this shines a light on something that's really interesting. Because I think people that are Eagles fans might be listening to this going, you know, fuck you guys. I have been a huge proponent of Philadelphia for quite some time, in large part because they get it from a team-building standpoint. 
This tells you how much luck there is in the NFL. The Dallas Cowboys prioritize signing a running back and a defensive end over their, their quarterback and their, and their best wide receiver and have a way more talent-laden offense than the Philadelphia Eagles, who made a really shrewd signing of Carson Wentz, got him a pretty good, at a pretty good deal, have drafted shrewdly, have traded back. Um, and it just like goes to show you, man, like you can do a ton of really make a ton of really smart moves. Football is such a small sample size thing relies so heavily on the quarterback um, that, that you can still end up well behind teams that make moves that, you know, that they just kind of luck into. Um, and the Cowboys have largely done that. I mean, they did that in the draft, certainly. Um, let's talk a little bit about Washington and the giants. So you mentioned the, the Redskins and you brought up a lot of the points that, that I was thinking of as well. Terry McLaurin, as I said, the most valuable receiver, like I need, people would say it's Amari Cooper every single time. Terry McLaurin, who can name the second receiver on the Washington Redskins? It'd be, it'd be pretty. I'm in Washington DC right now. I could go ask every person I see on the street. They couldn't name him. Now, that says a lot about Washington, D.C. as well. But Terry McLaurin is a stud, okay? So Terry McLaurin, most valuable wide receiver uh, in the entire division. They have Dwayne Haskins, who, as you mentioned, he had a really down and then up season. But do you remember how he came into the league? The the Washington Redskins were a disaster at that point, right? Like, they couldn't make a decision. It was Jay Gruden's going to be out. Um, They couldn't make a decision of who was going to play. It was like Dwayne Haskins is not ready. Then he's coming in in the middle of a game and looking completely lost. But towards the end of the season, he did perform a lot better. He and McLaurin kind of got on the same page. He was the 17th highest graded quarterback from a clean pocket. That's that's many spots ahead of Daniel Jones. Um, Chase Young should be a guy that comes in and is a rookie. Like he's not the guy who would have taken the number two. But as a rookie, he should immediately – you know, provide value there. Um, and then they've done some things in trying to strengthen their secondary where they might not be a sieve in the secondary either. And that's a yeah. recipe for being a decent team. I mean, the, and the big point here is that when you look at this division, so I, I updated our strength of schedule to factor in home field. So like it used to just be, what were the team's elos? But I kind of was like, well, it's probably a good catch to get a good team at home and a bad team on the, you know, all this. Yep. Um, the Giants have the eighth most difficult strength of schedule this year. Hmm. Um, the Eagles are at 11. Dallas, man, 31. And Washington's at 20th. Hmm. So when you look at the difference between the Giants and Washington, that game in like, what was it, week 16, when they battled it out, went in overtime, yeah, and yeah. the Giants won in Washington, like really screws the Giants, right? Like, That's such a good point. I remember, they, they us, the, they get, I remember us watching that game and being like, one of these dumb teams is going to win. And both teams, both guys played well. I mean, I think uh, uh, Haskins got hurt, and then Keenum had to start the Week 17 game. Um, but Haskins was playing great. I mean, there, there's so much here when you look at Washington as a buy low because, for one, the owner drafted Haskins, and mm-hmm. Gruden flat out didn't want to play him, right? That's something that I don't think you can underscore. Um, they were a disaster, an and, absolute fucking and, disaster. Right, and Alex Smith was Alex Smith was supposed to be Sorry the quarterback. His his uh, you know his contract is still on the books. It's huge, and you know 
that was, you know, and, and so that, and then they had, you know, Case Keenum, obviously they had Colt McCoy, like didn't Gruden start McCoy, like yes, in a mid and, and McCoy, McCoy was just dreadful against, you know, they got shut out, I think by the Patriots and like, and it was so egregious how like what, what, how much they wanted to suppress him. And then when they finally were, when they finally got, you know, we we're like, okay, well, this is going to be a thing where we're going to actually play this young guy and we're going to give him a shot. They were competitive on the road against Green Bay. They covered the spread in that game. Green Bay is a 13 and three team. Um, I'm trying to remember all their games, stop, but they stop it. <laughs> they were, they were, no, they, they 13 and three team. They were competitive in both Eagles games, right? Yep. Like they had them on the road. Like the Eagles were like down. The Eagles were down like double I think digits. It was 17, I think it was 17 0. They came yeah, out. Yeah. I mean, and it, it, well, in the second half of the year where the Eagles really like needed to win out, like Washington had them on the ropes. And then eventually, I think yep. the Eagles covered on some stupid like fumble at the end of the game. But like, but it's good. I, I think that there's a chance here. And, and it really does underscore like, okay, they stayed back. It's, it's really what like the Dolphins did with Tua this year. They waited until their natural pick and then took a quarterback. If the Washington did that as well. And then what, Oh, they didn't, they made it, made it have to trade the McLaurin pick right for Haskins, uh, you know, because they didn't have to move up. I think it's bright there for them and having a coach. And I understand the ownership is one thing, but having a coach that's like competent and not on his way out, I think will really help. And the fact that I got their win total, just not five flat. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. Five. That's a, yeah, that's a, I'm sorry. That's the best. I think that's the best bet we've talked about the entire offseason. At five, yes, five. They flat. go over five and a half seventy-eight percent of the time. Yeah, I mean, and I know, like, yeah, obviously, there there might be, you know, there are always things that like could be, but anytime you have something that big, I mean, it's just like, okay, well, I, I at least have to, you know, sort of think about that opinion seriously, and so. I don't know, man. I, and I look at their schedule, and, and By like, way, sorry about the sirens. It's okay. We, we know that you, we know that you live in uh you know in uh was a war, a war zone. zone. There. Yeah. <laughs> um. But no. And so I, I'm I'm bullish there. You know I think I think they got a shot to to be you know to be fairly to be fairly good. And and five is I mean five's nothing. You know. I mean I think Terry McLaurin. Um, I want to say second or third, maybe highest graded rookie that we've ever had. Um, at the wide receiver position, like he was legitimately very, very good on a team that had, it wasn't as if he came in Juju Smith Schuster style, not knocking Juju Smith Schuster, but with Antonio Brown at the, at the number one wide receiver position, but he came in that- on a team with, with, an, it was just an awful team yeah. and he was immediately a stud. And he, when you he, look at just to finish this up really briefly, Antonio Gibson's a good draft pick. Mm-hmm. Antonio Gandy golden at wide My receiver. Guy is a pretty damn good draft pick as well where they got him. Um, they're developing players around, um, uh, you know, they're, they're getting players to develop around. And again, we can't speak out of one side of our mouth at the Eagles and say, oh, the rook- rookies don't matter in 2020, and then they do for Washington. But I think the, well, the bar is so much lower, right? If Washington no. rips off yeah. three or four games in November, that's more likely because of the rookies than Philadelphia having to win 10 or more games. That, um, that's, the, that's the whole point. It, yeah. There's a difference in trying to get over five wins and mm-hmm. trying to get over ten wins, right? That's a massive difference. And Chase Young, look, he, he's not—he's not the pick you would make to win a Super Bowl. But we talk about this all the time, right? Like those—those those guys can come in and make an immediate impact. Um, he's not going to end up being as valuable as a quarterback in that position. But 
Um, we're talking just about this year. Let's talk about the Giants a little bit. I want to start with this. Gut reaction. I say you can have Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins going forward. Who do you take? Haskins. Okay. So that was my answer too. I think it is close, but here was how I made the decision. Dwayne Haskins, as I mentioned, 17th highest graded quarterback from a clean pocket. Daniel Jones, 27th last year. Daniel Jones, um, just, you know, like above 5% turnover worthy play rate. Um, those are things that, man, I know Dwayne Haskins looked really bad in those first couple of games, but I need a quarterback to be above average from a clean pocket. I just like, I have to have it. And they were, they were drafted four spots, uh, you know, apart. But if you had run that draft back and the giants hadn't had that pick, you know, like Daniel Jones could have been 15, 20 around later than Dwayne Haskins. So I, the prior there, I don't think should weigh that heavily. And just because Daniel Jones had a couple of, you know, kind of crazy games or games that looked really good in the box score um, is not reason to take him over Dwayne Haskins. I would take Dwayne Haskins. And it, it, it was close, but it was definitive in my mind. Yeah. And the other thing I'm just, you know, I, I sort of think about you, you want to fade the most recent narrative, right? So mm -hmm. the most recent narrative is that Daniel Jones had a really good rookie year. Um, by most and so that's probably baked into this number and and even if he's like fundamentally the same as Haskins I would still go with Haskins just because of what we saw with with Mayfield last year right like well, your new head coach and I know the new head coach is also on Haskins side but Haskins old coach was like sabotaging him right right like, so <clears throat> there's a new head coach and there's Jason Garrett who you know you know, he did develop a Dak Prescott, but at the same time, like, who knows if that's, you know, I think the, the perception of Garrett is negative. Um, so I would, I just fade the recency bias, which is that the Daniel Jones is great. And Dwayne Haskins is kind of a bum last year. And I'm going to, I'm going to like ignore that to the, to the moon, I guess. You, so here's some, you know, looking at Daniel Jones, one of the things that stuck out to me and, you know, I, I watched, a decent amount of those games like I tried to rewatch them because people it was a hot button topic right and especially on Sunday Night Football where there are a lot of Giants fans including our good friend uh, Fred Gadelli um, the executive producer of Sunday Night Football so I always wanted to be ready friend of the show I always wanted to be ready with why Dwayne uh, why Daniel Jones might not have been as great just you know if there was that angle and I I kept noticing his accuracy was, was really far from pinpoint, and our charting would back that up. Um, he was well below in terms of accurate throw rate at every depth of the field, and that's important to take into account because depth matters. He was, I, I think he had the third highest rate of what we call catchable but inaccurate throws. You hear that. What do you think to yourself? Is that like, oh, thank God? At least he's not, you know, putting the ball in an uncatchable area, or are you like, Eh, I'm I'm not I'm not really sold on that going in the other direction and being better the next year. I I would say if you look, I mean, I know Golden Tate was suspended for part of the year, but you look at that team, they got really good play out of Slayton, they got really good play. Well, they have Shepard Slayton, uh Engram Tate. Mm -hmm. And that's probably helping those passes become complete more than not. And if anything, as we see, if anything like the Eagles happened a season ago where their receivers get hurt or regress, it's going to hit Jones like a ton of bricks. 
I, I, th- that was one of the reasons why I thought investing in receiver would have been so important for them in the draft. Because to me, there's this built-in, um, oh, you know what? It wasn't a great year for Daniel Jones. But he didn't have a receiver that could get open. And then you're going to be stuck in this Mitch Trubisky land, which I know people hate that because Mitch Trubisky is now like, you know, uh, the worst thing you can call someone. But just a couple of years ago, it was how dare you, how dare you call Mitch Trubisky not a top, you know, 15 quarterback. He's fantastic. Now he can't beat out Nick Foles. So, you know, I just, I want to remind people that that's a possibility. And they, just like you shouldn't be asking for apologies Remember Pat Shermer asked for an apology after the first game he started? How ridiculous can you – like, that's absurd. How that's I felt so for ridiculous. you when the Tampa Bay Bucks lost that game because of a stupid missed field goal because Bruce Arians took a delay a game. That's right. We weren't going to get Bucks over six and a half. That's Ugh. right. That was a um, roller coaster. Any other bets uh, for this division that um, that you have made or want to make? No, I. you know, I'm – I always get a little concerned where we're that much off market for sure, you know? Um, But I, it doesn't take a lot for me to want to reason a team over five, especially, especially when there isn't a big tank Mm -hmm. on the horizon. There's no, there's no incentive for the Washington Redskins to tank this year. If they're going to lose five or or they're going to, you know, lose 11 or more games, they're going to earn it. You know what I mean? Yep. And like when it when it comes to teams like Jacksonville or Carolina or something like that, like there's a considerable reason to be like, well, there's you know maybe yeah. they're tanking. Like Washington has no incentive to do this. So no, I, I'm with you. I, I I think that that to me is like my favorite bet so far, and not one that I you know and you know it, it's just one I don't. The other one that I might want to look at, and I I gotta find a market for this. Maybe it's on Bet Online, but if you can find a market where Washington wins more games than the Giants. That's probably going to be a plus plus price bet, and that's one that I would make. Yeah, I like those. I'm first one I ever did was uh, Raiders and Niners. I was like, let's let's look actually. Five years um, ago. Um, while you're looking for that, um, I as the Washington one is my favorite. I, the way that I would fade Philadelphia, actually, I think you can look at those teams like the Giants and the Redskins and say okay, I'm not as confident in Philadelphia. I'm not going to bet on the Cowboys in this case. I might bet on the Redskins and the Giants in a win total, you know, in terms of a win total, because they're going to get to play Philadelphia a couple of times. And if they're a little weaker than we suspect, that that's going to help those teams out a little bit. And they have such low win totals. Whereas, you know, the Cowboys, man, everyone thinks they're just going to go 10, 6, yeah. 11, and 5. Yeah. And that's, as we saw last year, like not an easy thing to do. You're gonna you long term. You're gonna struggle if you continue to bet teams like Dallas and Tampa Bay over yeah. in seasons like this. Like, it, it, and I know it's enticing, and I know that there's gonna one of those two, you know, that one of those two teams is gonna win. But, um, but it long term, it's just kind of a sucker play because there's so many things that can go wrong. Did you, you find only, your Did you find your market? No, but I did find one that I kind of like, and this is a rivalry. Is we talked about um, Panthers versus Redskins. Noted. A lot of a lot of people in the Carolinas are Redskins fans because uh-huh. Carol, you know the Panthers didn't show up till 1995, um, and we saw it last year when they played in Carolina that there were mostly Redskins fans there. Um, Redskins win total plus 105 to win more games than uh, the Panthers. I kind of like that. Wow! Yeah, I love that. 
That's fantastic. Yeah. I, um, send that my way. All right. Uh, are you ready for some Quibi? I am. Oh, dude, this is my. I'm so excited right now. All right. So if you're new to the show, uh, we're, we're Quibi has done on. a great job of flattening the curve uh, for all of us by uh, just. I mean, no one's contracting the Quibi virus, uh, despite the fact that they're giving it away for free. Um, and yet they they poured in was like $2 billion or whatever. And so they've come up with a ton of shows. Almost all of them have stars in them. And almost all of them are ridiculous. So I pick a Quibi show and then I write my own show description. And Eric tries to guess which one is actually being made on television and, and has uh, money being poured uh, into it. So first show. Want to be a superstar? Live large, big house, nice cars. In 2020, being a rock superstar means you drop hits on TikTok. Follow Charlie D'Amelio, Addison Ray, and Zach King as they run the Gen Z world one 15-second dance video at a time in TikTok and Roll. New episodes are streaming weekly. That's uh, show number one. Okay. Show number two, Jan and Cricket think they have what it takes to become tv's newest house flipping couple unfortunately a mexican drug cartel thinks so too now the delusional duo has to survive their newest project renovating the cartel's mansions will forte stars in flipped all episodes streaming now i think it's the tiktok and roll one that's made oh no that tiktok and roll one is real no <laughs> <laughs> That would actually do well. I have come up with multiple good shows. Last week, it was uh, – what did I have last week? Oh, well, it was fantastic. Um, I always go against the one that I – I always go – it's like, you know, when you're, when you're like on a cold streak, you always bet against the, the thing yeah. that you th- – I, I always take the one that I think is actually real and, bet, and take the other one because you're actually really good at creating these. I, last week I was following, uh, an Instagram fitness model and, um, and having them like help people get six pack abs. And I think that has legs. I don't know about flipped. I think Will Forte is funny. Um, but man, I'm not watching that show. I'm probably also not watching TikTok and roll, but I can tell you a lot of people would. Can I, the, I will never until my, until the end, I will never understand HGTV. Uh, HGTV, what like they the whole there? like watching people buy a house thing. Oh. I'll never get. I'll never understand yeah. that. Me or either. flip a house or anything like I just, I don't know. Maybe it's it, a new sucker born every day. I don't. So far, I've come up with Captain Crunch. That was last week's show. Yeah, yeah. I got that one right though. Yeah, you did. You did. Um, all right, this was fun. Uh, we will be back on Monday. Um. We've got some fun stuff. We're going to plan out some interviews for the rest of uh, rest of the off season, um, and, and uh, do some fun stuff over this weekend to make sure that the episodes are good. Everyone, be safe. Don't do anything stupid on July fourth. Wear a freaking mask, and uh, yeah, we'll see you guys on Monday. Peace out. Mm-hmm.